Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast, live from the Boogie Down Bronx. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today, Dave Anderson. And today is day two, episode two of the Google Design Sprint. Starting with day two of the Google Design Sprint. Yes, exactly. Last week, we had Kirsten Nordine and Stephen Merriweather on the show to talk about the Google Design Sprint. But the episode was jam-packed with information. So we're delivering day two, three, and four in episode two right now. If you haven't heard the first episode, feel free to go back to listen to it because you're jumping right into the middle of the Google Design Sprint. And there's a lot of information in the previous episode. Yeah, there's a lot of good context about the history, like how the Google Design Sprint was formed. And like there are so many activities on Monday that sound like a lot of fun, a lot of doodling. Crazy eights, heavy metal music, lunch, crocs, you know, all that stuff. All that good stuff. So if you heard the previous episode and you got your crocs and you got your snacks and you got that heavy metal playlist, listen on. Yeah. Tuesday morning. So what how does Tuesday go? So Monday ends by everyone doing uh it ends by this exercise called a three-part sketch and so everyone's sketching out their ideas and we actually don't talk about those sketches before we leave you you finish sketching you set it down and then you leave for the day and then on tuesday you come back and the first thing you do is you look at everyone's sketches you do this thing called an art museum and so you sort of act like you're at an art museum they're taped on the wall you walk around you're you're quiet you're not talking about it you have stickies with you and if you have any questions you you write your question down on a sticky and uh, stick it next to one of the concept sketches and the idea here is um, you just get a sense for what everyone else's ideas were because you were so focused on your idea, you're not really sure what everyone else is doing. So you take some time to go around, pretend like you're in an art museum, and then you do some dot voting, which is a popular exercise. We did dot voting on Monday with how might we use in sprint questions. We're going to do dot voting again with the uh, three-part sketches. And, and so you spend some time, again, on your own without saying much, putting dots on sketches or ideas that you really like. And then once that's done, we sort of go around the room and we point out which of the features got the most dots. And so you're sort of doing a heat map. And so you talk about, you know, oh, I see a lot of dots on this particular feature. I think it's because of XYZ. Did anyone else vote for it for any other reason? And you you go around, you you look at all the three-part sketches, and then ultimately the decider with their huge dot, puts their dot on the feature or the sketch that they like best that we're going to eventually turn into a prototype. Does the big dot like equal X amount of like regular dots? So like suppose that the decider really like one feature that got two votes over one that has five, would the, would the decider choose two vote, two dot voted sketch or concept be the winner? Whatever the decider puts a dot on is the winner. Oh, oh. snap. Okay. What a twist. Yeah. So much so, drama. Yeah. So, like, the heat map is a way to show the decider, like, what the whole group is thinking. But that doesn't mean the decider has to do that. The decider nah, nah. still gets to decide. I like this one. <laughs> I want this one. Uh, that's I the see. power. Yeah. That's the power of the decider right there. Do they get to decide uh, lunch, too? <laughs> <laughs> no lunch is consensus oh okay yeah 
You see uh, where my focus is. Yeah, <laughs> on the food. When we eat. Uh, so the decider has decided on a particular three-part sketch. Is that correct? Because everyone's gone around the room to talk about their particular sketches and everyone has voted on why they chose that sketch based on the features that may appear on the sketch and whatnot. What happens after the decision is made? Yeah, that's a great question. So we on Monday, we aligned on what we want to do. On Tuesday, the idea is that you align on what the product is. And so you should be able to end the day Tuesday and everyone understands what it is that the product is going to do, how it's going to look, what buttons are there going to be on the page, what copies on the page, what's the interactions between the various different pages, how will this product um, behave to let the, the user achieve their end goal. And so the next step is you do this thing called the user test flow and the storyboard. And so you take these three-part sketches and you sort of dive into it a little bit more. You draw, you go up to your whiteboard, you draw six big squares, and you take whatever feature idea or whatever product idea, whatever sketch one, and you try to figure out all the various steps in between. So how exactly does a user find your product? How exactly, what, what is the first thing they see? How does that initial page drive them to an action? What's the CTA? If they click on a button, what's the next page look like? And then what's the page after that? And then ultimately, what's the checkout page? Or what's the, the final page that lets them achieve their goal? And so that's what the storyboard is. We do this exercise before the storyboard to help us get in the mindset called a user test flow. And so again, using this principle of working together alone, we each get six stickies and we sketch out what we think the six steps are six to eight steps are that we will eventually turn into a storyboard. And so the, the primary idea here, and the storyboard takes the entire afternoon. It's, it's basically the entire day because it's, it's a pretty big exercise. But yeah, the basic very idea, detail oriented. <laughs> yeah, t definitely. But the idea is you turn your three-part sketch. Now you've, now you've aligned on how you might solve this particular problem. And you break it, break it up and actually go pretty, go, go pretty detailed to, and, uh, to solve it. Oh, man, that sounds intense. Tuesday is just as intense as Monday. A lot of stuff is going on. You, so you end the day with the, with the storyboard and filling out in, in ways to for this concept that has won the vote earlier that day. Tuesday, 5 o'clock, you leave the office. Wednesday, I got my Crocs, got my snacks. I got music playing. Preferably an AJ and Smart playlist that was on Spotify Wednesday morning. What does that look like? Wednesday is all about building a prototype as a oh, team. Ooh, we're in. We're building. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be involved coding. It right. can be something like a no-code prototype that you build using a tool like Envision, which is what we used. But it's the whole team collaboratively working on that. So that means like actually doing a little bit of design, wiring up a prototype in whatever tool you're using. Some people might be researching copy or writing copy for it, and the whole day is spent uh, getting that ready. And it's important to like kind of give people tasks and decide what activities everyone's going to be doing because otherwise it's easy for people to kind of check out. I see. You mentioned Envision was one of them. Yeah, that's the what we used. Okay. Yeah. So the 
the most recent project that Kirsten and I worked on together, we were actually building out a mobile app. And so the idea of the prototype, it is as realistic as possible. So when you eventually do user testing, the users think they're actually clicking around on a real mobile app so you can um, validate uh, your your idea, not not some idealistic version of your idea. And so how do you get the most realistic prototype possible in only one day? Well, you can't write code. So what we ended up doing is we used a combination of Figma, which is a design tool, and then Envision. And so what you can do is you can design screens in Figma. And designing screens actually isn't that hard because we've already designed them Tuesday afternoon. Now it's just turning those ideas into design. Um, you're not actually doing much thinking. You're just doing some, you know, you're just actually creating the designs. And then you export those designs from Figma. You put them in Envision, which is a, a tool that lets you build uh, interactions between various pages. You wire up your interactions. And so if you have a button in your design, you can, in Envision, say, if someone clicks on that part of the screen, take them to this other screen. And so we built out, I think it was like seven or eight different screens for a mobile application using Envision, using Figma, and you could pull it up on your phone. You could download the Envision app on your phone, pull it up, and it feels and looks just like a, a normal mobile app. Hmm. Uh, so are there like com- libraries of components that are like a little vanilla that you're kind of like cobbling together? Like I, I imagine it's probably not like the most dis- bespoke pixel perfect design? Yeah, that's that's a good question. So the way that we actually did it at our last client was um, we had two designers on the team. The first designer was there to just put the buttons on the page and put the labels and um, pictures. And then the second designer went back and actually made it as pixel perfect as he could using the, the brand guidelines of the client. Interesting. Okay, so like they may already have brand guidelines kind of like under their belts at this point. So you're building the prototype uh, using tools like Envision. You mentioned uh, Figma. That's all of Wednesday. Okay, so five o'clock on a Wednesday, we're done. We did our prototype. Everything's looking spiffy. Thursday morning, 10 a.m. I got my Crocs. I got my snacks. I got Spotify playlist playing right now. Uh, what does Thursday consist of? Well, how does Thursday work? Thursday is my favorite day of the entire week, and it's user testing. Oh, so you, yes, super fun. You spent this entire week aligning on a vision for your product. You've sketched it out, and then you've built a prototype. Now you get it in front of users and see what they think. Um, they might love it. They might hate it. The whole purpose of the design sprint is to validate your business objectives. And so this is where the actual validation happens. Oh, okay. So like the then then you're getting user feedback from this design, the, the prototype that was built uh, the day before, and you then can use that, write some notes, figure out what could be done and that kind of stuff. I remember like walking around the stride office and almost getting hooked by uh, Kirsten at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I think I tried to grab you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so like what would have happened if you did grab me successfully? Like I'm, I I was yeah. kind of excited. I was like, oh, this is this seems cool. Then it's like, wait, uh, something else happened. <laughs> so you you would have had to go in a small room with Steven and okay. <laughs> he would have handed you his phone, which had okay. the Envision app on it. Okay. And 
would have asked you, given you like a little bit of background for what you were doing as a user, and then asked you to kind of use this uh, prototype app that we had built, talking about um, your experience as you used it, what was confusing to you, what you liked, what you were thinking at various points. And then the rest of us were in another room observing all of this and taking a bajillion notes. Interesting. Okay, so you actually had like a a video going. Mm -hmm. Right. Would you record the user as they use the app to kind of get their, like to capture like the emotion when they use the app? Totally. Yeah. Mm. I believe we were recording them actually using uh, the app on the phone and then recording their kind of uh, facial expression reaction to it as well. Right, because oh, then you can see the okay. interaction of the actual user when they use the phone to see like, oh, they may have missed this button or that interaction and be able to take those notes and use them for later. Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. And then Vision is like recording like their actual like clicks and like the things that they're doing. And- so we were actually using Zoom on uh, mobile, which lets you do a screen recording. Okay. And so that's how we recorded how they were interacting with the application. And then we had a camera set up a few feet away from the actual interview that was recording the conversation and their facial expressions and and whatnot. Mm, Cool. Oh, man, that's awesome. So then that, so throughout the whole day, you're just inviting all sorts of users to use the app, capturing their movements on the app physically on the phone. You're capturing their body language. You're asking them questions as this is happening for all of Thursday five o'clock, we all leave the office. Friday, I got my Crocs, I got my snacks, and I'm the only person in the office because it only takes four days to run this. Is that correct? Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I guess we, so throughout this whole process, what comes after the design sprint? And we got all this information now on how the user would interact with this product that we spent the past couple days building up. What happens next? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So the, the whole purpose of the design sprint was you have some business objective that you need to accomplish and you have a product idea for how you might solve that. Um, we want to validate whether that idea was useful or not. Um, and so we did that validation on Thursday. We understand, did our users find this solution intuitive? Did our users think that this was a problem worth solving at all? Maybe they were like, you know, I actually don't run into this problem. And so the what you do after the design sprint really depends on what happens during the, the design sprint. If you left the design sprint and you found that this was definitely a problem that users were experiencing and your solution was super intuitive, well, now you can actually build software and you can build you can write actual code because you've de-risked this product idea. But if Someone, if, if the users find that the problem does exist, but the solution wasn't very intuitive, well, you wouldn't want to go write software for that. Um, so you would do a modified design sprint and you tweak your prototype and you do more user interviews. And then you can do that a couple of times until you arrive at a solution that uh, the team feels really good about. So you might go back to like storyboarding or user test flow and from d- day two and go forward from there and see where you end up. Exactly. And so the, the ultimate goal is you arrive at a place where you've de-risked this idea and you can start writing actual software. Hopefully that only takes one iteration. It might take a couple of iterations, but you sort of continue doing that. 
in a modified fashion until you feel really confident that this is going to work. And then you spend the resources to actually build it out. Then you bring in the big guns. So I'm curious, um, since you've done this a couple of times now in some different situations, or even like Kirsten just doing it the first time, I'm curious, like, what do you think went really well? What was the most fun part about it? And, you know, what might you try to change or approach differently next time? I would say the most fun part of it, I totally agree with Steven, is the user testing. I think actually watching somebody use something that you've prototyped is like the best feedback you can possibly have. And also as a software developer, I don't get to do that very often. So that was like a pretty amazing treat for me that day. And 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 you you learn so much. You learn so much even from three or four people. Like we were able to adapt the prototype in small ways um, that were really helpful in getting people through the process. Right. I think, and even the fact that you were able to get to the building of the prototype and the user testing so fast in four days is probably like really cool too. Yeah, it's like a big culmination. Like all all your uh, efforts finally pay off. Yeah. And I would add things that didn't go so well. We were in a room that didn't have a lot of natural light. And it turns out when you're in a room, the same room for a really long time, you need a lot of natural light to feel sane at the end of it. And so that's something I would certainly do different moving on. So was it like kind of like green tinge, like the matrix or something like that? <laughs> like <laughs> It was the matrix, except it smelled like Sharpie. Oh, yeah. was it, were you in a small room <laughs> too? You guys were hot. Ventilation. You got hot boxing Sharpies right now? I would say we were in a room that wasn't quite ventilated enough for all the notes we were taking with Sharpie. Oh, no. <laughs> That's, yeah. Make sure you have windows if you're running this thing. Because, oof. Don't I don't know why, but I just remembered those like scented markers, like the one that smelled like licorice as well. Just uh-huh. like the <laughs> licorice and cherry smelling room. There you go. <laughs> I don't know that that would be better. (laughs) That's the decider's marker. It's probably going to be that cherry flavor one. (laughs) The big cherry. The big cherry, yeah. Um, And then the last thing I would add to what didn't go so well is, so we mentioned we do all of this user testing on Thursday. And the idea behind user testing is you find users that most represent who your target audience is. And so if your target audience is waiters at restaurants, then you don't want to find some Joe Schmo off the street, you want to actually interview waiters who will be using your software. And so the question is, how do you find those users? Um, and there's a lot of different ways to do that. We did a little bit of tapping into our own network. AJ and Smart recommends taking on an ad on Craigslist. And we also paid people who we interviewed. So we gave them, I think, 50 or $75 Amazon gift cards. And the thing that I would do differently is we didn't start thinking about who our users were until Tuesday evening. And since the week goes by so fast and you you need at least five people to interview on Thursday, you need to start sooner than that to actually start finding these people. So like you interviewed very specifically well thought out people in addition to stride people or, or stride people also part of yeah. the <laughs> well There was definitely some overlap. There was some stride people who were definitely part of the target audience. Okay. So that was lucky for us. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So what we ended up doing was we put together some criteria of who our target audience is. We 
we put that in a Google form and then we sent that out to a lot of people. And we had like 30 or so people respond to the Google form for five interview slots. And so we were able to really pick who was our target audience based on their answers. Oh, cool. Great. Great. And that's it. It really is. It's it's a long week, but it's a lot of fun. And as Kirsten mentioned, I would second, as software developers, we usually aren't this involved in the like product building process. And so seeing users click on the things that you're working on that you worked on the, the previous day is just a super, super fun and exciting experience. So given the uh, current climate that we're in and uh, COVID-19, unfortunately at the moment, we cannot be in the same room with my Crocs and my snacks. And we want to practice uh, social distancing because we want to be responsible individuals. What are some alternatives that one may want to use when they still want to do the Google design sprint, but cannot be in the same room to do so. Any thoughts? Yeah, definitely. And I've been in the middle of kicking off another project where we're starting everything up remotely. So a tool that I've been using that works really well for collaborative exercises that involve dot voting or post-its is called Miro. It's like a virtual whiteboard where you can add post-its, write things, draw things, uh, create various sections. So I think that would probably work well as a stand-in for some of the activities. Mm, Zoom has been great. I was poking a little bit about Miro the other day. It looks really cool. I'm looking for an excuse to use it. I imagine it might be helpful if there are like some templates for some of these exercises to facilitate them. Oh, it's awesome. And uh, you mentioned Miro and Zoom is always good uh, to do the face recording. That was mentioned before as well. Oh, it's awesome. So like you're not limited to being in the same room if you really wanted to. There are many ways to run the uh, Google design sprint. Yeah, I, I think it's easier in the same room. There's definitely overhead to remote, mm-hmm. but there's definitely oh, yeah. ways around it. We got some time ahead of us, but we'll in the future... <laughs> We'll all be able to be in the same room responsibly. We'll be able to smell all the other Sharpies. Oh, man. <laughs> one one day. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm getting... Yeah. <laughs> Where can one learn more about the uh, Google Design Sprint? I mean, I'm, I'm fired up to go to a client tomorrow to want to run this. Although, it's yeah, I got I to gotta wait till Monday, though. So I'll be sure to do that on Monday. Uh, the next Monday I'm going into, I'm just going to say that we need to do a Google Design Sprint. But I need to learn more about it first. Uh, where can we get like started? I think a good starting point is Jake Knapp, who's the creator of the Google Des- of the Google Design Sprint, wrote a book called uh, Sprint: Solve Big Problems and Test New Ideas in Just Five Days. That book covers the Design Sprint 1.0, and what we talked about was the Design Sprint 2.0. But it it goes over the same exercises. The primary difference is that some of them uh, are given more time than in the 2.0. But it's a, it's a super awesome resource to really go heads deep into des, into the design sprint. Just to throw some others out there, Google Ventures, where Jake Knapp was working when this process was formalized, has a webpage that goes pretty deep into it. If you go to gv.com slash sprint, you can find it there. And then AJ and Smart, who we've talked about a lot in this podcast, has an online course that you can purchase. We did that here at Stride. Highly recommend it. It's a, It's a phenomenal course. Awesome. That was gv.com, like Google Ventures, 
com slash sprint, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, we'll put a link to all that in the show notes uh, along with some good tunes that you can blast oh, while yeah. you're coming up with ideas at a responsible volume, I guess, though. Yeah, so the next time, I guess, your organization is planning to introduce a new feature or something brand new, feel free to look into the Google Design Sprint. I feel like this is definitely a way to get everyone into a room, uh, capture all the ideas that individuals within the organization may have, and actually come up with a product that uh, users will will want to use and figure out ways to make their lives better and be able to use it so that they can go on with their lives. I'm actually really excited to see how this affects you know future product creations in the future. This is pretty, really cool stuff. Appreciate having you all on the show. It's fun times. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much, you guys. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, And me, your host, Michael Nunez. Thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.